Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Basement Talk podcast. I'm your host, Ed Birdsall, joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Tim Brady and Brett Mayer. Gentlemen, how are we? Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Thank you for coming again, everybody. Uh, episode 5. Episode 5. Episode yes, 5. Let's get it going. We've made boys. it this far. How we doing, everybody? Let's get it rolling. Probably by the time you hear this, it might be Friday. So, happy Friday. Friday. Don't, don't worry, guys. I'm here, too. No. Would you let me do my job? You didn't include me for this time. For fuck's sake. That is a professional. For fuck's sake. Let he, me do my job. He's done this before. Yes, I've done this before. And I figure since you are the producer of the show, I give you a platform of your own. So I introduce you as our lovely producer, Matt Birdsall. Matt, I would ask you how you are, but apparently you're a little salty. So tell me something I don't know. Um, Mac Miller's releasing an album? I don't know. Great. That's lovely. And we have another wonderful guest on our show, uh, Chris Corbett. Chris, how the heck are you? Gentlemen, I'm an avid listener. I'm honored to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you, Chris. It, it is an absolute, it. absolute pleasure. So, we got some deep sleeper of the week to talk about. We have some NFL divisional round preview. going to talk all about that, give our picks for the weekend. We also have some coaching hires part two, two more hires to talk about this week. We have some cheating in baseball, a.k.a. me and Tim proudly squaring up against each other. And Slander. Slander in baseball. Bullshit. And then we have another of one of one of America's favorite games at the end of the show, some Jeopardy. We love Jeopardy. Great program. I'm going to be Alex Trebek tonight. I've changed from the Steve Harvey suit to the Alex Trebek dapperness, so we're ready to go. So let's start it off. Deep sleepers. I have a lot of deep sleepers this week. So – Tim, would you like to give us your deep sleeper of the week? I would love to, Ed. Um, I'm going to give my deep sleeper is uh, Fun Facts. Mm. With the Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament going on, it's a great, great week for Fun Facts. I mean, this is a great opportunity for all those stupid facts you remember from high school classes or conversations or looking up Wikipedia pages for people. It's a great time to yell out all those answers in front of a TV and not look like an asshole for once. I think it's definitely a great week for Fun Facts. I think that's a, very, that's a very good one. I like that one. Thanks. Fun facts. Chris, our guest, would you like to give a deep sleeper of the week? Oh, of course. I've been looking forward to this one. My deep sleeper of the week is black ice. Now, it's that time of the year where every drop that comes out of the sky somehow freezes on the road and you can never see it. And you got to be careful out there. Now, i got a little story for you. So I pull up to my prestigious marshal's job at 5.30 in the morning. Hey, 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 hey. We, we, no free advertising. No free advertising. And Enschel's. <laughs> at Emschels. At Emschels. And I go to step out of my car, take one step on the ground, boom, hit the floor. And I'm oh, just you. laying there in the middle of the Marshalls parking lot. It's 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 five fifty in the morning. I'm like, bro, what is, I'm like, what is life? I'm just Good laying, morning. I'm just Good morning. And I do that thing where you look around, you're like, oh shit, did anyone see me? <laughs> and no one's looking. I'm like, all right, now I gotta get up. And I was still embarrassed walking over to the damn store, but Good morning. Gotta watch out for black ice. Good morning to yeah. you. It's there. You don't see it, but it's there. No, I agree. I almost fell my ass the other day. That's rough. Actually. I haven't had my black ice experience yet, but I know it's going to happen now. Knock on, knock on yeah, wood. I was about to say, you better knock on something. Well, I, I, hope, I hope I see that happen, actually. That'd be really fucking funny. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. My deep sleeper of the week is Dick Vitale. Mm. College basketball is right on the corner, folks. Actually, it's happening right now, but March Madness is right around the corner, and I'm ready to hear... Oh, oh, are you serious? Are you serious? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Duke UNC, 830, Saturday night, Chapel Hill. Where else do you want to be? 
Tobacco Road. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but for real. March Madness around the corner. It's going to be a great time of the year after uh, football season's over. And get ready for some Dick Vitale. Oh, I can't wait. Can we please have Dick Vitale in this podcast? I mean, we don't, we don't need him. We have, three Dick, we have three Dick Vitale impersonators here. But That's a special guest. Unbelievable. Are you serious? Serious? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Um, my deep sleeper of the week, Masters commercials. We're back. Oh. We're back. Yes. That's a Saw one. my first one last night. Oh, yeah. And, oh, the blood. The blood just started flowing. We are ready. It's the unofficial start to spring. Masters season. So, we are in January. The Masters are in April. We have about two months worth of Masters commercials before it really, you know, starts getting onto overdrive on ESPN and CBS. No free advertising. They get you through the lull of the winter months. Seeing a Masters commercial and realizing, fuck me, the light is at the end of the tunnel. To get through this terrible, terrible season known as winter. To know that spring is coming. Winter is the dawn of a new day. You pointed that out to me one time. That the Masters isn't just a sporting event. It's the unofficial start of spring. Yes. And when I thought of it like that, it's just twice as exciting now. I can't wait for it. Yes, it brings a big smile to my face. Knowing that we can get through winter. We made it. We're done. And it's time for Masters. Time for golf, it's time for outdoor activities, and the Masters is the start of that. So, yes, we are in full Masters swing. I'm ready. Bring it on. Fuck the winter. What week is the Masters? Uh, I believe it I is April. April? It's yeah. usually the second weekend. It's a, yeah, it's the yeah. second weekend. So, it's like the seventh, eighth, gotcha. something like that. Gotcha. And the commercials, uh, the commercials are gorgeous. Oh, oh every time. Oh, they actually are beautiful. He was. Well, yeah. just like, wow. Well, you, of course, they, they have to highlight Amen Corner. Of course. <laughs> the most. Beautiful three-hole stretch in all of golf. Holes 10, 11, and 12. All right, Matt. Matt, what is your uh, what is your deep sleeper of the week? I have two for you wonderful listeners right okay. now. So right. my first one is going to be Game of Thrones. So I've recently started rewatching the whole series for the third time, and every time I watch the show, I gain a greater appreciation for wonderful television. And my second one is going to be The Bachelor. Yes! I like that. Okay, let's not blow out my ears with clapping now. Thank you very much. So um, I'm a pretty new Bachelor listener. Um, and honestly, I don't know what to think about it. Uh, part of me wants to get invested in trashy, undergrade television. But a part of me thinks that looking at smoking hot women for two hours every Monday night is definitely worth my time when there's no football on. But when baseball comes around, we're going to have some serious issues. So this is where I'm going to ask a question to the panel here. Is it worth my time? Yes. I mean, as Ed pointed out to me, and the reason I'm sold on watching it this season for the first time is that there's a special spot on Monday night where you're allowed to just sit in front of the TV and do absolutely nothing. And that was originally Monday Night Football's job for me for the past 10 years of my life. And now I realize that that can extend all the way through the winter, the spring, and the summer with all the three wonderful editions of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. No free advertising. And it's just a certain kind of mindless television that is wonderful to sit in front of your TV and judge more than just appreciate. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was the first time I actually watched The Bachelor in full, full episode. Same here. And I got to say, I'm pretty hooked. Yeah, television. Something about those kinds of shows. It just hooks me. I don't know. So, so are, you're, you both are happy that I, well, I should say three, well, Two and a half, and then Chris, you had some experience with The Bachelor. Oh, so 
I'm learning in this subject. You're you're you're, you're aware in this subject. Okay. So the women, they all get to the house. They arrive in these limos. They're putting on their best impressions for Peter. Great guy. Pilot Pete. Absolute, Pilot Pete. Absolute Pete. Absolute great guy. Pilot Pete. I'm Matt, a big fan of Pete, honestly. Matt, he yeah. um he actually flies. He's a pilot for the airline, which Donna flies. Shout out Delta, Skyler Mile, baby. Not no an advertisement. Free advertising. I, no let free me finish ad- my thought, no my guy. I was getting there before you decided to cut me off. It's that kind of night, huh? A lot of tension in the birdsall corner over here. I'm Clearly, it's going to go for the rest of the episode. All right, so who, who the had the best shows. entrance? Who had the best entrance in the show? Uh, Victoria F. by a mile. Ah, the, the most cringeworthy, but the best. Nah. The only thing dry about me is my sense of humor. That's just that's gold. The girl who brought in the um, the cow, the stress uh, cow, the stress cow. And I don't know if you guys saw they gave the cow the name on the bottom. Oh, I don't it? know if you read that. It said yeah. Ashley P. Ashley and P. underneath it said. Vegetarian. Oh yep. yes, I <laughs> yep. saw that. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> what? Savannah, I believe, had another very good entrance. Right, right on the spot. Savannah just planting one on Pete. That was uh, that was ballsy. That's a, that's a, that's a hot start. Savannah is Russell Westbrook. She wow. went in. She she gave him the lips right away. Yeah, she was talking a lot of shit to other girls. She was Russell Westbrook. She was just just going hard. Do you have Do you have more player comps for us? I have a couple. All right, let's hear them. I want to hear this. Kelly, the attorney. Okay. John Elway. Okay. First round pick, favorite from the start. Coincidentally, met him in a hotel a month before the show. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, she's John Elway." <laughs> <laughs> Your brain's messed up. <laughs> Talk. Let me think of some more. Um, I mean, I did like um, Kelly a lot. I think that experience from the uh, previous meeting between them is definitely gonna be a good uh, boost for her through the, uh, the next couple of rounds. How, how many rounds are there? I guess it's ten rounds, right? Because it's ten shows. Uh, y- y- yeah, something like that. I think, I think it's more like seven or eight because uh, you have the finale, which really isn't around. It's more of just Pete going through the painstaking uh, moment of having to pick his girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever you want to call it. And then the live finale, which is bonkers because you get you have Pete that gets to sit down now with the two, three, four, however many other women that he said no to, which is Fabulous! Oh, yeah, yeah, you can just cut that tension with a knife. <laughs> it is, it is something. It is, it is must oh, yeah. must watch television. Chris Harrison, by the way, Chris Harrison, that's a guy we love. Chris, yeah, has he been hosting it forever? Hey, He's been hosting it for forever. Do you have a player comp for the um, the daughter of the Auburn basketball coach, Madison? Madison, okay. yes. Go take a look at uh, at that first episode. Look at Madison again, and then do yourself a favor. Look up on Google Rose Leslie. Who played Egret in Game of Thrones? Oh if my god! If you watch god. her in the show and then you look at Rose Leslie right next to her, you'll literally go, "Wow, it's a carbon copy." They just changed the hair color. I sat there and I go, "Mom, all right, look at this. That's maybe, Rose Leslie with, with brown hair." She goes, "Holy shit!" Maybe, right. maybe from like a side profile, I could, yeah. I could, I could kind of right, see. So if you look up a picture, it's it's not okay. like that. But if all you're right. like actually watching the show, I don't know why it just looks like that. With Madison, she seems to be the favorite right now after she took the solo date with Peter. Yep. She seems, you know, she's pretty high up there. Everybody seems to like her so far. She seems to be a nice girl. 
I feel like she's got a little something else to her, like some some bad side. So she kind of reminds me of LeBron, like a passive aggressive kind of person. <laughs> I was thinking that more of like a the Hannah Ann, where Hannah Ann kind of came in. She just, she yes. kind of has that too. She had the Kobe mentality. Yeah, she went in. She has a Kobe mentality. Interrupted. She, she she talked to Peter three times in the first like ten minutes. Yep, she was at Kobe in his last game, put him sixty shots yeah. for no reason. She has no way, but she didn't just... care at all. She was taking the floor on her own. There's always one that establishes himself as the villain for the entire season. It was like three or four seasons ago. When Nick was the bachelor and Corinne, Corinne, Corinne. Oh my God. A, she was a smoke. Oh my dime. But B, she was, she had a brass set of balls. Like seriously, (laughs) she, she was like, take what you saw from Hannah Ann interrupting three times in the first night and multiply that by a million. Balls like Savannah. Savannah had a pretty big Uh, balls the other day. Let me put it in perspective for him. So. They had a bouncy castle uh, one episode. Yes! Oh, my God. They're all taking turns in the bouncy castle. Corinne gets in there, and she just, in a bikini, jumps on top of Nick and just starts making out with him in the middle of the bouncy castle. Yes! Oh, my God. And she gets on live television. And I think she said, like, my heart is gold, but my vagine is platinum. My vagine is platinum. Yes! Yes. Right right on live television. Everyone was no. like, wow, you, this girl's psycho. You need, you need the Kobe yeah. mentality if you're going to win in The Bachelor, at least in the beginning. She yeah. went far. Yeah. She was fine. She no, was she, before she got a hometown. Yeah, 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 she did. Victoria F., the girl that we talked about with her entrance, uh-huh. she's J.R. Smith. <laughs> I think Wow. a guy like J.R., he's been on championship teams. He somehow ended up on good teams. She's one of those people, I feel like she's going to she's gonna come back. She almost got eliminated the first episode. I feel like she's going to make oh, her way back up. That, that almost elimination yeah. followed by a little comeback. I, I think she could have a good underdog story. Can I backtrack for a second? Yeah. This girl, Corinne, you speak of? Mary, mother of God, is she good looking? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. She, yeah. She right now, though, is in the lead for the craziest person I've ever seen on that show. Without, and, no, she. And, and it's not close. No, she's in a league of her own. Without <laughs> she, question. Yeah. She, Without question. She is the captain of the crazy crew there. It's, it's, she was wild. Can we talk about Bachelor Fantasy a little bit? Uh, sure, but I wanted to, uh, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Because well, one point I wanted to make, but go I ahead. I just wanted to point that out. Um, because I thought that was a great aspect of the show that really makes it more of a, you have to watch and see the little things going on as it's going along. The fact that I, I just I keep talking about this that he was announcing like winners for challenges and like top four and all that stuff as it went through, completely in line with the fantasy aspect of the game, as if he was trained and is like reading off scores. That was so funny to me, and I think that there's definitely an embrace mentality of all right, this show is being bet on. Let's make it easy to bet on. Well, is it too late? To participate? No, in absolutely not. Bachelor? Absolutely not. I think we should sign I up. I think we have to do it. I think then. we should. It's I think just we should. like signing up after week one of football. Oh, you can still yeah. do it to week I think four? We, I think we should yeah. Yeah. When yeah. Chris Harrison was uh, revealing the list of women, probably like a month or so ago before this even started, he had mentioned that for fantasy purposes, he had said flat out, for fantasy purposes, Madison gets the first one-on-one date. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. So people knew about that beforehand. She's LeBron. Um, I also want to talk about... Um, Alea, she was the first one that came out of the limo. Uh, Chris Harrison did say in that same uh, little intro when she was when he was talking about all the women uh, that she has the most controversial moment probably in Bachelor history. She does something that has never been done. Uh, we don't know what that is. I can't. I'm wait. so excited. But I would say that it probably is in line with Hannah Brown now being back and being much of a focal point on the show, which is the most awkward thing. That could be possible. It is like any one of my exes coming onto the show and saying, hey, 
I fucked up. I want you back. Meanwhile, I have 30 other girlfriends. That's a problem. I just want to point out, though, that that, you can tell what's written to make it a good television show on top of the fact that it's just like a competition. And I feel like that whole storyline with her coming back, you can tell because they're trying to portray it as he's not sure about how he felt and all this stuff. But it's so forced that if he actually did feel anything or something like that, like, it wouldn't have to be so forced. Right. Like, this is just, that's all writing to make the show a little more juicy, which I appreciate because it's, it's good fun. writing. It's great writing. Good writing, good it's, television. It's not great writing. Sorry. It's great bad writing. It's yeah. great writing for a, like a bad show. I don't say bad show. You know what I mean by bad. Yes, show. yes. It's great writing for like the Jersey Shore. Yeah, it's exactly. For, I, would even, I would even go bordering along trashy. But it's it's classy it's classy it, trash. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's it's one of the best shows that is out there. Um, okay, so before we move on and talk about the divisional rounds, I want to hear everybody's picks for uh, for top three. Matt, you want to go? You want to go first? Yeah, I'm gonna go pretty basic here. I'm gonna go McKenna, uh, Hannah, Ann, and uh, Kelly. Is your name? The lawyer. Yeah, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, the Who one. wins? Uh, out of those three, Hannah, Ann. Okay, I got. Kelly, Madison, and Hannah and I think the winner of them probably gonna be Madison. I have the same top three, but I have Kelly wins. I have the same thing as you, Tim. I have yep. Madison. This is from the start. Madison, Kelly, Hannah Ann. I have Madison winning. Even though I have reservations about Madison because she is only twenty three and that, that kind of is a little bit meh. But Kelly Kelly, the mature one, I can kind of see the Kelly pick. Hannah Ann is perfect for the Bachelorette. I, I mean, know, it, it, that is yep. perfect. Got it screaming. Perfect. Hannah Ann is yep. a trap pick, though. To not give her the respect, I see how all three of us mentioned her as a top three, but not yeah. picking her. That's a trap pick right there. You well, know, Jimmy sneaking in. Well, Jimmy I'm, Kimmel, no free advertising. Jimmy Kimmel did pick uh, Hannah Ann to uh, to win. And I am also taking Hannah Ann, with my other two being Kelly and Victoria P. Ooh, the nurse. She was the one that was oh, afraid of uh, teacups when the, she had like nightmares. That one completely forgot. Well, that the that nurse that was also that's a good one. Bad writing. That was fantastic. Yeah. But she that she did show a lot of signs. I'm not gonna lie. I forgot about her. Victoria P is a sleeper, and she's very good looking too. So they're all very good looking. Come on, they're they're contestants on a TV show. Some more than others. <laughs> who's uh, who's your least favorite? My least favorite. I got mine. Mine's Cheyenne. She keeps fucking crying. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of her already. Tammy is too aggressive. She's way she's way too aggressive. No, I agree. That's probably what's gonna get her cut. I'm gonna I take like her. I'm gonna take Natasha on this one. She was so disrespectful to McKenna and Pete when they were doing their verse one on one. She was sitting there, she's like, yo, hurry it up, I got shit to do. It's like, come on. No, I respect Natasha because she got she got taken by uh who was it, McKenna? McKenna came in on Natasha, right? That's Natasha? Yeah. Yeah, yeah her and Natasha had a little bit of beef going. Who brought in the big paper airplane? Was that Natasha? Natasha. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like her. That Natasha brought in the paper airplane? Whoever brought in that big yeah, paper airplane, Natasha. I think, yes, McKenna and Pete were talking. Because Natasha was in the corner oh, wow. when McKenna and Pete were uh, were lip-locked. And she was just like, uh-huh, 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 yeah. my time. Oh, yeah. You yeah. had your two seconds, now I want my two seconds. Not a fan. That was good. No, nah, it's very, a little, a little, very bitchy, but I like it. Uh, okay, that was a wonderful Bachelor discussion. I loved every second of that. Yeah, we'll the, see. We'll see you next week for more uh, more Bachelor talk live on the Basement Talk podcast. The Bachelor I also brought up while we were watching is one of those shows where you sit there and you start talking about it, and you realize, wow, I'm really analyzing The Bachelor right now. Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't see a problem. <laughs> you know the problem. Yeah, at this point, it's a sport, man. Twenty four seasons. Yeah, they're all competing for a guy. You might as well make it a sport. They got three different seasons too. Bachelor in the Olympics. 
question mark. Hell yeah, I'm with it. Now we're going to talk about the divisional rounds uh, for the playoffs this weekend. We have Saturday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Um, let's start it off with the Vikings and the 49ers. Uh, the Vikings, of course, coming off of a, well, stunning but not surprising overtime win against the Saints because the Saints just don't know how to win games, especially if they're big games, and now have a steep challenge ahead of them taking on the number one seed 49ers. This game pretty much is going to be Dalvin Cook going up against the 49ers defensive line, Bosa, Armstead, Ford, all those boys, plain and simple. And if the 49ers do a good job against Cook and Kirk Cousins is expected to throw, oh boy, that could be a little uh, a little testing for uh, Captain Kirk. Underrated storyline here. This is a Kyle Shanahan revenge game, kind of. He's from Minnesota. Just want to put that out there. Kyle Shanahan versus the state of Minnesota. See how that goes. Okay. I did not know that. You got to find any angle for a revenge game these days. You're that right. does mean so much. This is true. The revenge games do have a lot of merit. Um, also, uh, I want to point out that uh, 49ers coming off a first round by, on top of the fact that the 49ers are like a very talented team, probably you could say they're definitely more talented than the, the Vikings. Um, they do have a very big advantage with that bye because teams coming off the bye in the 16 years since the introduction of the bye are 43 and 21. So, I mean, that's that's something that's going to hold up, I feel like, just the fact that these teams have an extra week of rest, an extra week of scouting. Like, that's a nice thing to have coming into the second round of the playoffs. That is 22 games over 500. Especially Kyle Shanahan off a of bye. You know he's going to come up with something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And Rob Sala. He's going to have a game plan ready for, for Dalvin Cook, uh, without question. Uh, you also talked about that 49ers pass rush of uh, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, Ark Armstead. Yes. Uh, D Ford looks like he's coming back for this game. Yep. Um, just a fun fact, Kirk Cousins holds the ball longer than any quarterback in the NFL. That's not good. That's not good when you're facing a pass rush like that. That's something that's going to definitely give him a lot of problems. Now, this is definitely a game where the Vikings are going to have to get their run game going. Yeah. Because, you know, they want to get the run game going, set up the play action, throw deep balls. That's probably why Kirk Cousins does hold the ball so much because they have play a lot of good uh, play action plays. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing in this game will be can the 49ers defensive line get to Kirk Cousins. I believe they will. That's why I'm taking the Niners in this game. Spoiler. Uh, Diggs and Thielen, they're already a little banged up. Apparently during the week, Thielen hurt his ankle on Wednesday. And Diggs is dealing with an illness. So I think the only way the Vikings are going to win this game is if they keep it close down the stretch and maybe force Jimmy G to make a mistake because he's not used to being in these kind of situations. I think that's the only way the Vikings are going to pull out. No, I, I completely agree. I think this game is going to come in the hands of Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins can perform and keep this game close, like Brett said, this is a game that Minnesota can win. Will they win? Probably not. Uh, Chris, what are your uh, what are your thoughts about the Vikings before we move on to the 49ers? For all the divisional games, I really love the quarterback matchups. All the quarterbacks are kind of similar in a way in terms of their opponent. Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G have both been questioned as to whether or not they should have been paid the amount of money they were paid. And I think if, say, Kirk Cousins goes out and he beats the 49ers, there's going to be maybe maybe a little more talks of validation for that contract. And if Jimmy G goes out and wins, it's going to at least make 49ers fans happy that they that he's brought them to an NFC Championship game. Yeah. And this is a team that was, uh, they were 5-11 and 11 last year. Yeah. And it didn't look good. It was promising because of how good their run game was still able to perform and how promising Kyle Shanahan was. But if Jimmy G can actually get them there, I think that's going to validate. Well, I know that there is at least one person on this podcast that will not be sold on Kirk Cousins if he wins this game because this game is not scheduled for 825. So. Um, I might be that person. I can't confirm at the time, but 
I will say that if Kirk Cousins does win this game, it does not do anything to benefit his can't win in a night game prime time. Like, it's not what that is. Just like Mahomes. Just like Mahomes. Oh, you motherfucker. Just like Mahomes. <laughs> I, so, I agree to a point, but also I think that this game will tell a lot about Kirk Cousins because I expect them to be playing from down. Yep, they're yeah. going to be coming from behind, and if he can bring them and rally them back from behind on the road in one of the hardest places to play in the whole NFL, I'm going to be questioning because I'm not—I've never been high on Kirk Cousins. Even even when I was a Redskin, I hated him fantasy wise. I didn't like him in terms of talent. Um, but if he goes out and he beats the 49ers on the road, I, I'm going to have to reassess. I think. I think Kirk Cousins gets a lot of flack for the contract that he was paid, and look. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Is he a top 10 quarterback? No. But is he an outside the top 15 quarterback? No. He's a 10 to 15 quarterback in the National Football League, and he can get the job done. I think he can get the job done against the 49ers. I think this game is close. I I, I really do. I think a lot of people are just saying it's the 49ers. They're at home. The Vikings are dead. I, I don't think so. I think this game is a lot closer than people think. I don't know what the spread is. But I would imagine the spread is probably looking at like six and a half to six. I saw seven. Seven? Really? Wow. I would take Vikings in the touchdown wow. all seven. day long. Well, if you are placing money in that game, make sure you are in uh, Nevada or New Jersey. Wherever it's yes. Betting, wherever Please betting is legal. Or Puerto Rico. Oh, or Puerto Rico, Puerto Puerto Rico. yes. We are expanding our knowledge of where betting is appropriate. Is it also- recently included Puerto Rico. And to confirm, the line is seven for that game? Wow. Seven. I think I'm betting stuck. also yeah. is legal in Illinois. Or no, Indiana. 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 Okay, yeah. so we could place bets in Indiana, yeah. too. Indy 500. We're going to add a new state every time we talk about it. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, I have the 49ers winning this game for what it's worth, but for betting purposes, uh, the Vikings plus seven is... Yeah. That's nice. That's yeah. that's really nice. Not that I know anything about betting or anything, but you look at the divisional games this week, the spreads are laughable. I mean, not, I mean, laughable. And like you, you would never think in a divisional round of NFL playoffs that you'd have spreads like 10 and nine and seven. You're thinking you're going to have a one and a half here or two and a half there, but the bet the, the highest point spread is four. So that's, that's the Seahawks plus four. I mean, that's, it's crazy. Before we continue on to our next game, I just want to give the spreads out to all of our faithful listeners out there. I said before, Vikings 49ers, it's minus 7. Titans Ravens, the Ravens are minus 10. Texans Chiefs, the Chiefs are minus 10. And the Seahawks and Packers, the Packers are at minus 5. Minus 10 for the Texans and the Chiefs? And my favorite part about Ah. that is it opened at 9. And that means that people are putting their money on the Chiefs minus nine, which is interesting because wow. the Texans won that game earlier what in the year. The I think hell? it's really just because they're giving that bye week bias to the yep. to the home teams. I guess because yeah. I mean I it does so. it does create a big advantage, especially when you look at the coaches uh-huh. for each of the teams. It's not, wow, it's not too surprising. I'm, it's like I'm, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, John Harbaugh, maybe not Matt Lafleur, but that's why it's the lowest line of the week. But it's I'm crazy stuff. Man. Not I'm too shocked. Surprised. I mean, I'm kind of surprised, but. It makes sense. I see why they're like that. Yeah. Packers over Seahawks was minus five. Jeez. That, I mean, and then it opened at four. Wow. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. All right, real quick. Tim, who do you have winning this game? I have the 49ers winning this game. Chris? 49ers, but it's close. Brett? You have 49ers. 49ers, 27-23. I will be taking the 49ers as well. Can't wait for the Vikings to win. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Same shit happened last much, week. So my so. bracket goes to shit. Yep. So now let's go to the Titans and the Ravens from Baltimore. Of course, the Titans beat the Patriots in Foxborough last week. 
Derrick Henry, 200-plus yards of total offense. He is an Adonis and also bought his offensive line. Rolexes. Bunch so good-looking Rollies. That's a great guy. Um, really? Oh yeah, that's a power move. I love, that, I love Christmas time when the running backs yeah. buy the offensive lineman golf carts, trucks. Didn't Zeke do that for his Zeke, lineman? Yeah, yeah they, Zeke bought his all his whole offensive line. Uh, John Deere quads. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you look at you look at who's on his offensive here. line: Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin. Those are all. That's all country. Can you that's imagine, country strong right there. Can you imagine Tyron Smith driving a John Deere golf cart around? Oh. Fuck that's, yeah, that's Ken. a large individual. That is a massive Sitting individual. Sitting in a little green tractor, flying around some <laughs> desert field or something like that. Hell yes, that is what I, I just want to see a video of that. That would make my life. Uh, but going back to this game, the Titans, of course, it is a much more difficult task going up against the Ravens, fourteen and two, Baltimore Ravens, number one seed in the AFC. Uh, I think we all can agree that if the Titans are going to win this game, it's going to be on the back of Derrick Henry. No question about it. He needs to be that guy again. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 72 passing yards last week. I mean, didn't have to do much. But if the Ravens are going to lose this game, which I don't think anybody is predicting that they are unless I'm wrong, it's going to be because Ryan Tannehill beats them and not Derrick Henry. I believe. I agree. 100%. I I think that the Titans are going to be playing from behind for the most part. And at a certain point, when you're behind, you just can't be feeding the ball to your running back because it's going to get too much clock. And it's going to have to be Ryan Tannehill. He's going to have to keep up with this high-flying Ravens offense. And if he's not throwing the ball and he's not working the ball down the field, the chunk plays won't be there. And the Ravens are just going to come out and demolish them. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing now, if we move on to the Ravens, is obviously the health of Mark Ingram. Questionable with the calf injury. Expected to play. But we all know that warm-ups can change a lot of things. But I'd probably put my money that Mark Ingram is going to play. But let's just say he doesn't for the sake of argument. It's going to put more responsibility on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. And we saw how this Titans defense was last week in Foxborough. They were really good. Really, really, really good. I know this is a different animal in the form of Lamar Jackson. But something to think about if Lamar Jackson is without his number one running back in Mark Ingram. I mean, one thing I thought coming into this game, a little bit of an anecdote, just this game might find a way to uh, last 45 minutes. I was going to say that. Like, yeah. Unless the only thing that's going to stop that is if the Titans are absolutely getting thwomped and they need to just start airing it out because these teams are both just, the, I think, they're the two highest run, running offenses in the league. I mean, probably. This game is going to be bashing the ball at the line, no passing unless they really need to. I'm curious to see how long this actually goes because this might set a record for like the shortest NFL game ever. <laughs> it, it might. With all the running that's going to happen, I mean, we're going to see eight, nine, ten-minute drives like it's like it's nothing. Yeah. Until, of course, the Ravens really put it to the Titans and the Titans are forced to throw, then it turns into four or five-minute drives. This game could be a great game, but that just any edge of a Ravens lead by, say, two scores or more – this game's just going to go south real quick. Yeah, that's absolutely. Seeing Ryan Tannehill start trying to air it out, which is just not what he's been doing this season. That's not no. how he's getting the plays done. I mean, unless the the Titans can, if the Titans can keep it to, I'd say, within 10 points by like midway through the third, we're going to have a hell of a game on our yeah. hands. But if it's at 14 and a half, I don't see this game being watchable in the second half. Brett, you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, the way the Titans are going to win this game is if they control the ball, they control the clock. 
Yep. I think that's the only way. That's the key for them. If they can handle time of possession and keep Lamar off the field and be able to run the ball consistently with Derrick Henry all day, then they will have a chance. They'll keep it close. They'll keep it low scoring. Kind of like when the Patriots played the Falcons in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Uh, the Patriots, they were down 28-3. to Obviously, everybody knows, but they were still able to control the clock, control time. They, they still had like a stronghold on the game. That's what the Titans are going to have to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to win. I think for the Ravens, they just got to handle their business. They're clearly the better team than the the best team in the NFL at the moment. So they just got to go in there, do their thing, and get on out of there. Big trust. I wonder, Big trust. This, I wonder if that win for the Titans last week against the Patriots is going to be a good thing for them or a bad thing. It could be a bad thing. They might be starting yeah. to sniff their own farts a little bit. You know? Could be both. Could be I both. Because it's like, wh- what is that Patriots team? Is that a team you can come off and be confident about? Or is that a team that if you come off a win after that, you look like an asshole because you came to that game too confident? And now you're playing the Ravens, who are really the heavy hitters. Like, yeah, that could have been their Super Bowl last week. Yeah. I mean, it could have been. It could have very easily been. You know what? If it was, it's still a great season for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No reason to discredit that. Uh, I had the Ravens winning this game 30-17. to 17. I don't think it's close. I agree. I have the Ravens handling the Titans. I would agree. I have the Ravens as well. I had the Ravens winning very easily, but I hope it's not easy for them. I oh, hope I hope the Titans win. Yeah. I want the Titans to I, win. I really do. Yeah, I think we all want the Titans to win. But I'm for a debate. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh Producer? Oh, yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. No okay. question about it. All right, so the Vikings are going to win, the Titans are going to win as of right now. Yep. Two, six, yep. Like, two six seeds moving on to the championship. Exactly. Just what we all predicted. This is not good for my bracket right now. I'm the top seed. <laughs> oh, right oh, my it's bracket. It's not good for anybody's bracket. My bracket's looked cooked. at all of them. They, that thing's already in the incinerator. Let's be, let's be real. Saints and Ravens in all the, all the championship games. So next up we have the Houston Texans going to Arrowhead and taking on the Chiefs. The matchup of the weekend by a country mile. The Texans are, of course, here coming off of an overtime victory against the Bills after being down 16 to nil at halftime. Look, for me, the keys to this game are the Texans' defense. We saw the bad from the Texans' defense in the first half of that game against the Bills, and it was B-A-D, period, bad. And in the second half in overtime, they were okay. They were pretty good, and they need to be... That and then some, because my oh my, is this a different sort of animal they're going up against with the Chiefs? Patty Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, our good friend of the podcast, Jared's guy, Damian Williams, deep sleeper. And I I just, I really struggle to see how the Texans win this game, even though they beat them in week six, 31 to 24. I just think the stars, the stars have been aligned almost all year long for the Chiefs and the Ravens to meet in the AFC Championship game. That's the way I think it's going to go. I think the Chiefs win this game close. I think it's close, but I think the Chiefs win this game. I mean, you talk about the uh, Texans' defense. Let's not uh, forget the most important former Texan in this game right now. That's Tyron Matthew Ooh, for the, uh, for yeah. the Chiefs. Ooh, the revenge, revenge game. Tyron Matthew revenge game, a guy who's already having a hell of a season, that little chip on his shoulder this game. That's something that's really going to push him right through the playoffs. That's that's the kind of revenge game that I think you need to keep your eye on because this guy is already doing it, and now the fact that he has a chance to do it against his former team, which I don't think that was an ugly ending, but – it's still a revenge game. It's something worth noting. I yeah. think it's a great thing to look at. Um, another thing to look at, Texans have never won the divisional round, ever. Hmm. And they're, I mean, it's a new team, but still. They made it through the wild card, I think, three out of the four times they've they played in the lot, Saturday. they played a lot of playoff games. Uh, three out of the four times they've been in that <laughs> Saturday 3 o'clock spot, and they have made it past. But, uh, no, nah, they've never won the divisional round in their entire history. Um, it's also important to look at the fact that 
the Texans played a hell of a game last game, but like we said last podcast, the Bills lost that game just about as much as the Texans yes. won that game. Yes. And that's another situation like that Titans versus Patriots game, whereas you come off a win and you have this confidence, but how real is your confidence? How sh- how certain should you be that you're a great team because of what you did last week? Are there people who are doubting it almost? I mean, I doubt these NFL players coming into the playoffs are doubting themselves, but something like that where you look back and you're like, did we really win that game? Is that something they're going to think about during the game? I'm curious. I, I want to see how that goes. It's a good point. It's it's a very good point. And I mean, I, I the way I look at this game, I say to myself, I'm sure we all do, is that these are two of the best teams in the AFC going at it. And really, it's Watson versus Mahomes. That's the, the big thing. Two guys that arguably are the future of the league, if not the present of the league already. We're going to see how big time each of these quarterbacks are. And we've seen it with Watson, how just how tough he is. And we talked about this last week against the Bills, how I said one of the big things with him was he had to stay upright. Yep. And he got sacked, what, seven times? I think he got sacked seven times. That's just, ooh. That offensive line should be ashamed. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, oh my God. I mean, the, the man, I feel bad for him at this point, but the man just gets it done. Mm. And it, it's... It's impressive, but uh, Chris, you have anything you want to uh, to add about this game? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm scared for the Texans this week. Um, really? They they have come out this year and they have played very slow from the start. They have struggled out the gate, and I think they did against the Chiefs. They went down earlier this year. They went down two scores, but the Chiefs' defense was in shambles at that point, and they came back and they were up 17-16 going into half. And it was easy for them. Easy coming back. Sean Watson marched down the field. He, he looked like uh, he looked like Joe Montana. He just marched straight down the field. This Chiefs defense is a different animal now. They've come together as a unit. Steve Spagnuolo has them playing really well right now. And if they get down, Andy Reid is going to let Pat Mahomes go wild on this depleted secondary. This secondary, I don't think, is going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. They're going to have no answer for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And if the Chiefs get ahead early... I don't see any way in which Watson can work his magic and come back because I think that the Chiefs will keep scoring. Is uh, Will Fuller playing this game? I think he's back. I think he's back, right? I think he's back, With too. Will Fuller back, this game definitely has a, the possibility of becoming one of those 35 to 34 kind of games, something like that. This game is important for the Chiefs in the sense that it has they could win this game high scoring or low scoring, but they really need to win it low scoring because a high scoring game right now is not where their defense needs to be going to the next round. They need to turn this into one of those boring but playoff football-style games where the Chiefs can show we could play this style of football, and that's Agreed. what we're doing right now. Agreed. Brett, Tech- have we hit on all your points? Just about, like I said before, the Titans, the way the Texans will win, control the clock. They've shown this season that they've, in some games, that they've been able to run the ball and have long drives. Against the Chiefs, they did do that, and against the Jaguars this year, they did that as well. That's going to be their formula to win. For the Chiefs, I think they will probably get up early like we all expect, and I think they just need to keep their foot on the gas pedal just – you don't want to be going into the fourth quarter having a 17-point lead against Deshaun Watson. That's just not what you need. No. That's about it. I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs. 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 Uh, Are you going to take the Texans? You're going to take the Texans. See, I love Deshaun Watson. That's my only thing. But You're not stupid to take him. That's, no. that's not a bad pick. See, right? my only thing not ta- wanting to take the Texans right now is their fucking offensive line. So I'm going to take the Chiefs on this one. You're begrudgingly taking the uh, the Chiefs. No, I mean, Deshaun Watson has shown he, he's got that killer mentality. Yeah. And, I mean. If, if, look, if the Texans win this game, I, I wouldn't be surprised. No. 
Wouldn't be surprised. I'd be upset, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, you'd be upset. I would be, yeah. Uh, I'm rooting for the Texans. I, 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 I am rooting for the Texans in this game. For the sake like of my Matt's bracket, up. I'm hoping the Chiefs win. Arrowhead is going to be rocking. It is. Yeah, it's it going to be rocking because those fans know they got a good shot this year. That yeah. defense is revamped. Yeah. So the next game up, the last game in the weekend, we had the Seahawks going to Lambeau Field, take on the Packers. Of course, the Seahawks defeated the Eagles, thank God, last week 17-9 to get this matchup with the Packers. The big story last week, of course, DK Metcalf, seven catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown for the rookie who looks like he has turned into the number one receiver in Seattle. But again, this is going to require more from the entire Seahawks offense if they're going to beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. I mean, it's just plain and simple. They can't put up 17 points again and expect to win. It's just not going to happen. Rodgers is going to put at least 21, 24 points on the board. I think that's a stone-cold guarantee. So where is that added offense going to come from? Fuck knows. I absolutely love the feeling of this game already. Yeah. And it's not even here yet. Yep. I'm hearing in the weather report that there's going to be snow the night before and they got to shovel Lambo out. I got the chills already. This is... This is classic football right here, and I actually have to disagree with your take that the Texans-Chiefs is the game of the week. I think Seahawks-Packers is the game of the week with Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, going against Aaron Rodgers, another Super Bowl-winning quarterback. I'm just so not excited about this This game. It's the Seahawks. They're boring. This has Joe Buck, Troy Aikman written all over it. Oh, yeah. It it is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. (laughs) Box. Of course. It's the 640 game on the Sunday. You know they're going to be there. Um, My biggest stat for this game is that uh, the home team has won the past eight matchups they've had dating all the way back to 2009. So that's really? every matchup that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have had together. And I think at Lambeau, Lambeau is just a tough place to go, and especially with the snow on the ground. You know, the fans are going to be going crazy. Russell Wilson, this year he's put to bed a lot of the uh, the criticisms about him on the road. But they're, they're a great road team. Right? That was, yeah, that was they, they've, been a great, they've been a great road team this year. Yeah. But in the past, more. they have struggled a little bit on the road, and I think we can see that come back into light now in the playoffs. Um, where you got a really classic stadium that's going to have their fans going wild. That's going to be a matchup with the stats right there. We have Russell Wilson. I think last week I brought up he was 0-4 in his last four road playoff matchups, and he's also got this stat where he's Was 0-4. it 0-4 or 1-4? He might have been 1-4, but it, it wasn't a good record. Yeah. And then, but he has that win last week, so that's probably that's 2-4 now, I guess. Yep. And he's got this also the stat about being 0-3 in the last three matchups against uh, Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. I mean, is Russell Wilson going to defeat the stats this week, or I mean, what's going to happen? I have no idea. These games always go weird, too. Yeah. I think the last time they were in Lambeau, Seattle, I think Russell Wilson threw five interceptions. Really? Something crazy. Like that. There was they a blowout. Got, they got I remember that game because we I was starting him in fantasy, and he put up a negative two for me. So, fuck you, Russell Wilson. Uh, I have the Packers winning this game, and it's not close. Wow. Uh, I had the Packers winning as well, but I definitely have this close thing, you think. I mean, this track that the Seahawks are on right now, they're having a hell of a season, I think. And if Marshawn Lynch goes for like 80 yards in this game somehow, that would be one of the greatest things ever. He's not. <laughs> I don't buy it. keep giving it up. That would be about that 73 more yards than he had last week. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't buy somewhere. anything outside of Russell Wilson for the Seahawks offense. Not I just don't. I totally Metcalf? agree. I totally agree. Not no. even DK Metcalf. No. Not this week. Really? No. Not this week. Oh. No. Give me. I'm, I'm gonna go back to my. Uh, I don't know anything about corners. Can you guys explain the Packers secondary? He's gonna be going up against Jair Alexander. 
solid second year corner. Very, very yep. solid second year corner. Young one of corner, the, we like young corners. One of the Old best corners. budding yeah. corners in, in, in the league. And yep. if Lockett's going to be coming out of the slot, which a lot of people think that he probably is, and that's where he's been really operating for most of the season, it's going to be Metcalf on the outside. And I just don't trust Russell Wilson in this tough environment. Again, I know he was there in Philly last week. I get it. Philly's whatever. But I just think Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. Devontae, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the game, with, without question. And, and I look at the Seahawks secondary. It's okay. I don't know if it's good. Uh, it's definitely not great. I think Devontae Adams has a humongous game. I, I think he could score twice. I, I really do. Because they know when they get in close, when they're looking on the five, six-yard line, they're looking for one guy, and that's 17. Not to mention he's one of the best fantasy receivers that there is. I always find a way to get him every year. I love Devontae. That's my guy. I'm I'm shocked. I think this is going to be closer than you think, Ed. Just off of uh, Pete. You just can't count Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And this is Matt LaFour's first playoff game. You don't know what's going to happen. That's very true. I can't wait for a nice shot of Pete Carroll in the fourth quarter. Chewing gum. Leaning on his knees. Yeah. <laughs> headset a little bit wonky. Chomping away on his... What does he chew? Is it Juicy Fruit? No, that's Sean Payton. Oh, he doesn't we, chew Juicy Fruit. No, we I don't know what he chews. Did we look, wasn't it actually... Wasn't it uh, Zebra Stripe? I think that's what yeah, we I looked it up. Yeah, I think you said that. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, for anyone out there who knows Zebra Stripe, it's a candy store kind of gum. It's, it sounds like a Seattle kind of gum. It's terrible. <laughs> it lasts less. It lasts shorter than like what's that one? The double bubble. Double no bubble. Way. Yeah, no way. That's it's, impossible. It's you terrible. chew one double bubble and you're done. No, it's terrible. Wow, that's yeah. not good. That's not good. Uh, Matt, who do you have winning this game? Uh, I'm gonna take Seattle in this one, honestly. Mm. So I'm still taking Green Bay over Seattle, but I don't think it's gonna be. It's I just. Like Chris said, this is this just looks like instant classic, where it's going to be a close game down the stretch. You know, Joe Buck's calling the game, so it's no doubt going to come down to a Mason Crosby. This is true. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I have the Packers by a field goal. I don't think this game is decided by more than a field goal either way. I'm going to say watch out for the Seahawks defensive line. They were heating up last week against Philadelphia. Expect them to be a big deal this weekend. Oh, you mean like when Jadavion Clowney drove uh, Carson Wentz's head to the ground? Yeah, absolutely dirty hit, but... He's, he's playing, so. They were heating up after that when Josh McCown was in the game, no doubt. They, the world needed Josh McCown. Great basketball player, by the way. Great guy. I'm sure we've all seen that video. It's a great guy. I got one last point. Go ahead. We all know this is coming, but Joe Buck announcing an Aaron Rodgers game in January. Oh. Wait, yep. Oh boy, we are going to see a whole lot of that. This is going to be Joe Buck just talking about how Aaron Rodgers is the best thing since sliced bread. Yep. For Seattle in this game, they're going to need Russell Wilson to play like Vince Young in 2006 Rose Bowl. (laughs) He got it in there. We missed an episode. Or is it two episodes? We're three for five now. We're three for five. Those are great numbers. Great percentage. Good percentage. We'll get off. So now we move on from the playoff teams. Let's talk about some non-playoff teams. Wait, did, some... wait, did we give everybody's picks for that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah we Packers. did. Everybody, everybody picked the Packers. No, except except for, except for, uh, Matt. for Matt. Yeah. So we all picked it's the same young. teams in every game, except for Matt picking the Seahawks over the Packers. And we all yeah. Yeah. So it's higher seeds. But those, look at those lines this week, though. It makes sense. There's a lot of mismatches this week. Yeah, and the one with the closest line was when we had someone off. And these teams are coming off buys too, and you gave us the stat. Especially three and twenty-one. Yeah, especially in today's NFL, the bye week just such an advantage. And like you said, Brett, the coaches that are coming off buys, I'm pretty confident that they could come up and win. 
pretty good game plan. That is true. So, All those coaches coming off of buys are the, great game plan. There is questions about LaFleur, but the other three, that's I mean, it. So let's talk about some new coaches, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, uh, first off, we'll talk about Matt Rule to the Carolina Panthers. on a six-year contract, the sixth-highest-paid coach in the league, making $8.5 million a season which is quite frankly unbelievable. He got the bag. He got the bag. He, he, he got the bag, uh, formerly of the Baylor Bears. Uh, he's going to have a job to do in Carolina, with, without a doubt. I mean, this team, I don't know where this team's going, because you look on paper, if they bring back Cam Newton, they have Christian McCaffrey, they have DJ Moore, they'll have Greg Olson. I mean, those are good quality pieces. But at the same time, I look at this team, and I say, this team's not good. And I feel like they should just tear it down and start anew. You have McCaffrey. You have more. Just rebuild. Rebuild. Do your thing. But he has to understand, though, that even if they are rebuilding, you have to use McCaffrey. McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the league. And if Rule is going to succeed, it is going to be because Christian McCaffrey is the focal point and continues to be the focal point of the Carolina Panthers offense. Plain and simple. Yeah, I have written down my advice to Matt Rule. Just give the ball to McCaffrey for now. Yeah. And while you rebuild, just keep giving him the ball because it's going to make you look good. Um, but I said, I'm sad that he said he's going to get rid of the smock. I mean, he looks like an absolute fool on the field, but Darryl. it doesn't matter. Um, I think he brings a can-do attitude to a team that really needs it because out of all the teams in the NFL, there are some teams that really blow, but at least they have a general sense of their direction. The Panthers have no idea where they're going right no. now. No. There's no they, – they barely know what's going on in that quarterback room, and this is a quarterback room that has Cam Newton in it. They need someone that's going to have a positive attitude in there and a guy that's that's been through rebuilds with, with I believe it was Temple. Um, yeah. And Baylor, two teams he took that over, were he took nothing. Over, they were nothing before. He took over Baylor, and he, the, for his first season there, they went 2-11. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, so I think he, he's a perfect fit, but the money is – can't wrap my head around that. I don't think I'll ever be able to wrap my head around no. that. But do, you guys, one. do you guys think that they're going to keep Cam Newton? No. No, I think he's, he's gone. Go? I think he's gone. Um, I actually have something positive to say about the money. I Please. just want to talk about this. Please, I go mean, ahead. Like he's getting seven years, $60 million, which that's less than $10 million a year. All right, first of all, that's nothing crazy. I think all these owners getting mad, and I saw some things about this. Uh, the, what's the owner of the, the Panthers? Tepper. A Tepper. They're talking about him being like shunned at the next owners meeting because of this one contract. I mean, it's time to get over it. I think this coach is getting money. It doesn't affect your salary cap, first of all. So pay your coach whatever you want. I mean, it's an investment. It's not part of your team salary cap. And also, all the top fifteen coaches in college are making more than five million dollars a year this year. Like at some point, you got to realize that if you want good talent to come out of college, you got to give them the money and coax them out of college because some of these guys like. Dabo and Nick Saban making oh, almost, yeah, they're making so much. They're making money. around ten million dollars a year, which I get it that that's about what he's getting paid, and he's not as good of a coach as they are per se. But it's still the idea that if you want these good coaches to come out of college, you're gonna have to start shoveling some money because these colleges are pumping money into their coaches. It's about time. I think it's gonna become way more common. I mean, I I understand the basis of the argument. I'm not making. I'm not going after a man for how much he's getting paid. The guy made eight and a half million dollars. Good for him. I'm one. I'm saying this was a good a good contract for the Panthers. I think to say that this is ridiculous that he's well, getting paid this much. If this is what they want to pay him, that's their investment. That's they're their they're going to give him the time. That's what that's what this says to me. Yeah, they're going to give him the time to figure it out. And you know, you're not going to invest seventy million dollars into a guy 
to fire him after two years. Exactly. If they are, then the then the Panthers really are as directionless as we think they are. But if they're going to give Matt Rule the time that he needs, three, four years, to really implement his philosophy, teach these players, work on building a new program in Carolina, then maybe they, ha- they have something there. But for me, Matt Rule is getting paid more than Andy Reid. Like, why? Why? Well, I think this is the coach that they wanted. He threatened to make. Yes, of course, of course. He had to throw yeah. the money at him. I get it. And so they they kind of had to. I, I'm, I think that's the only reason why they gave him this yeah. much money. He threatened to go somewhere else. He's, the Giants said no, and we don't offer that much money. That's why they got him. I mean, what, this is Tepper's what second year or third year under. He's a really new owner in yeah. the league. Yeah. He's, he's, I think he's the newest owner in the league right oh, now. Oh, right, because they're going to get sold in that situation. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I think this kind of an owner in a first time situation. I mean, it's not again like you said, Tim. It's not that much money. Like, it's really not. Gruden's what ten years, a hundred million. Ten years, hundred million. Yeah. So it's the it's the it's the years. Out of proportion of it's the that. years that scare people. It's the it's the ten years for a coach. That's that's the problem with Gruden. That's what everyone has. But the hundred million, you break it down, ten years overall, a uh, ten million overall. Excuse me. Uh, it's not not terrible. Do we ever get more of an explanation on the firing of Rivera? I mean, no. For for a team that's done. Good things under him. If they're going to go in a direction of rebuilding, Ron Rivera is a stable guy. You don't hear bad things come out about Ron no. Rivera. I feel like if Ron Rivera was committed, maybe that's what it was. I'm just thinking about this right now. Maybe he wasn't committed to the rebuilding process. That's the only thing that well, makes went to sense Washington. To they're going to be rebuilding for the next no, 15 I think, years. I think what happened with them the past two years, they started off, I think, six and two in both seasons. And right after that, they just completely fell apart, which I think his. That's fair. His, okay. uh, I, I don't know for lack of a better term, vibe with the team and his culture that he was building around, I think it just got stale. Okay. No, I can see that. Because that's the only thing I have to say about this is is not even a bad signing of Matt Rule. It's more of just a why let go of Ron Rivera. I mean, if you want stability and you want to build for the future, do someone you've done that with in the past. Like, why change it up? I could, t- I could tell you why. Well, and again, it goes back to the new owner. That's that's always a thing to think about too. New and owners love it goes back to they, love, they mark their territory. Yeah, they they want to control their their team. Yeah. and they probably want a guy that's an offensive minded guy to come in and groom a new quarterback. I can see that. I can buy into that. Makes sense. Yeah, Matt Rule Go also ahead. had a great opening press conference. Smart that. that. It's very inspirational. Yep. He did. He did. Really good. But now let's talk about the one that I believe that one person on this dais has been wanting to talk about. Joe Judge to the New York Giants. Wow. Okay. Um, signed to a long-term contract. What was Judge, that contract? I couldn't find it. I believe it was a four- or five-year contract. Okay. Somewhere along those lines. Uh, Judge comes with an impressive resume to his name, being a special teams coach under both Nick Saban at Alabama and Bill Belichick in New England. Of course, the inexperience with him is a big question mark. But the Giants, they needed to take a risk. They're going nowhere fast. And based on his press conference today, he looks every part of an NFL coach. I was very impressed. And he has a proven track record of winning with two national titles and three Super Bowl rings already at age 38, which is something. But I don't want to talk anymore. I would like my producer to talk about his new head coach. So I am going to put my pen down. I'm going to sit back, I'm going to relax, and I'm going to listen. Because I had my moment with Mike McCarthy, and now I will let you have your moment with Joe Judge, and I will not say a peep. Oh, go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate the accommodations you're making for the producer. Sure, no problem. So, 
When I heard they signed Joe Judge, I said what Chris said before. Who the fuck are you? Like, I didn't really think it was that bad of a signing after listening to his press conference today. He sounds like he he's a, he sounds like a leader. That's what you need. This guy came into the locker room and said, look, we're going to come in here. We're going to be the team of that everyone in the region wants to be good. We want them to be rooted for. And we need – it's going to take time. And – I honestly, I just want him to get the boys into training camp, get them going, and then as time goes on with our draft picks that are coming in, hopefully Chase Young falls to us. Only the gods can know by now. Um, hopefully that they can spark something and become the competitive New York football giants that I've known and loved for the past 12 years. I think the one thing that stood out for me in his press conference today, there was one line that really struck me when he said, about potential guys on his staff when he said, I want teachers, not presenters. Yeah, he That for me said, okay, he is going to strip everything back and he's going to reteach every player that walks through the door how to play football. Oh. And that's fine. For a rebuilding team that like the Giants are going to be, that's what they need to do. And I'm all for it. I actually was very, very impressed. And it takes a whole hell of a lot for me to say something nice about the Giants. I was – very, very impressed. So there's another line he said in his press conference where it kind of uh, premise to what he th- knows is going to be a situation for the next couple of years was uh, in reference to the Empire State Building. You don't start with the windows. You start with the structure. So he knows what he's got himself into. He knows it's not going to become anything special in the next couple of years because Rome wasn't built in a day. Yes, this is true. So he's got the coaching lines down already. Oh, he yeah. definitely does. Oh, yeah. He had a great press conference too. You know, I actually had some, I had some questions about him, um, only because he's never held a head coach position before. Yep. And sometimes when these guys come out of situations with three Super Bowls and two national championships under their belt as an, an assistant the entire time, you almost think it's if he's coming into a rebuild situation, is that really a positive? Like I understand. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. I understand the positives of it, but for someone who's in their first head coach position, is that going to be a little dangerous for him, having this expectation of success and coming into a no. situation where it's very No, I don't think no. so. Because he does he, not expect success, though. He knows what he's getting himself yeah, into. Yeah, the, the, the difference in what the definition of success is is going to vary from franchise to franchise. Because well, yeah. I, think, I think everyone outside of the Giants is going to say, yeah, the Giants, the Giants' ceiling may be six wins next year. Maybe. And if they get that, that's that's a borderline miracle. So, you know, I think what Joe Judge wants to do is he wants to, A, he wants to input his philosophy and say, look, you're either going to buy in or you're out, which this previous regime with Pat Shermer, clearly it was a fucking circus, for lack of a better phrase. Please tell me if I'm wrong. I'm so happy Pat Shermer's gone. You have no idea. Okay, that's all I needed. I've accepted Condoleezza Rice as my coach. She's a she's a wonderful woman. She's a very smart woman. Too. Hey, the Browns missed on her, so oh, I'm sure they're just distraught. I I, I mean, I'm sure she probably could have gotten more wins than uh, Freddie Kitchens did. <laughs> so quick, it's a fair point. Quick question for you: Who would you rather have as your offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett or Freddie Kitchens? Give me Jason Garrett. Yeah, I get it. I'd take Jason Garrett in a heartbeat. I was gonna say Freddie Kitchens, or I thought about saying him over Garrett, but because he had a good year two years ago when he was the offensive coordinator with Baker. But he's a little off the rails now after he got that head coaching job. I don't think he's ever recovering from that one. No, no, he's not. The Browns put him in a really uh, tough spot. You had a question for us. I actually have a question for the Giants. Go ahead. Um, How many coaches can you go through before you just, I don't know, improve the roster? Well, 
I mean, this is actually what I was going to talk about. The Giants' story for me, I don't think it comes down to the head coach. It comes down to whether or not Gettleman's going to get guys that can surround his two studs and Daniel Jones and Saquads Barkley. If he can get guys around them that can perform, I, I think Judge has been around winning programs, and as you said, he wants to teach them how to play football. If you can get those guys that have the physical tools to become great, he might be able to teach them to become I, great. But Gettleman's got to get it done through the draft, and I think he's got to hit late in the draft because this team needs a lot. Yeah. It's not going to come down to, oh, they hit on a first-round pick here, first-round pick there. they got to build late in the draft. That's where these great teams are coming from. Yeah. They're building with random guys that they draft late in the draft, and Look they're the great. Yeah. For example, I mean, like important picks for the Giants in coming years would be third-round picks, fifth-round picks. Yeah. What did they trade away for Leonard Williams this year? A third-round third pick. pick and a fifth-round pick. Like stuff like that. you got to think for the future, and I think it's kind of ridiculous that the Giants – I mean, I get the fandom wanting a new coach, and that's a whole problem you have to deal with where no one believes in your coach or the players don't believe in your coach. But you keep cycling through these coaches. Eventually, you got to just put the guys behind them. And if they don't do that with Joe Judge, it's just going to be another situation well, like it's been the last two coaches. Well, I think the one thing that separates Judge for me, and I was very impressed with and talking about personnel, is he said in his press conference today, he said, look, I'm a special teams guy. I have to evaluate everybody. I have to look at wide receivers. I have to look at tight ends. I have to look at linebackers. And I have to evaluate them for what they are. I need to look at what they do well and how those things that they are good at can help our football team. And I think he could do that at the college level. He did it, I assume, at Alabama under Saban when it came to recruiting players that could potentially play for the university. And he did it in New England with Bill Belichick. And now he's going to do it now, only as the head coach for the New York Giants. So I think, look, we want to shit on Dave Gettleman for a lot of things. But I think Dave Gettleman got this spot on. I, I, I really, yes. really I do. I can so agree with that as well. So you want to shit on Gettleman for certain things, but when he gets it right, you got to give him a little bit of props. So, Dave, I'll give you props. What's Is that? Third time's a charm for him? Third, uh, third, I, did he hire uh, McAdoo? I thought he did, right? No, he, no, no, he didn't, he didn't hire McAdoo. Dave Gettleman's only been around for two or three years. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah he didn't hire McAdoo. He just hired Shermer. Okay. He was, he was, his first draft as the Giants GM was when they picked Saquon. Yes. Which was two years ago. Okay. Yes. Hey, fill a couple holes on the defense. I think the offense is going to be not the same offense you saw this year. I think Darius Slayton, Saquon, and Daniel Jones are going to come in this year absolutely full steam ahead. And I think the whole season will revolve around, does the Giants' defense fucking show up? So will, uh, will Evan Ingram show up also? Yes, will he want to play? Well, Maybe in some games. Or, or is Evan Ingram dead to you and you're just full on the Caden Smith bandwagon? Oh, Caden Smith is very good. Over, under, Evan uh, Ingram games played this year. Seven and a half. Under. 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 That's a good line. Oh, God. I know, that's why I was Well like, done, Vegas. Yeah, really. Vegas is honest. I I want to take the over, but he's not going to hit it, so I'm not going to take no, the over. No. His, <laughs> his hamstrings are just... It's like, a different like thing Robin every week. Was, yeah. There was, there was a stretch where it was like three or four weeks in a row. It was just different, like, injuries. Hamstring, shoulder, a hamstring, ankle. hamstring, shoulder, ankle. He yeah. had, like, an eye injury one game. Like, yeah. he got poked in the eye, then that side him for two weeks. Hey, like, your, your come on. Your eyes are very important. All right, we got to take care of We're a visor. Come on, bro. We're, if you, a we're a visor. Got to the Sean Watson. No. He got kicked in the eye, and he said, I'm still going to win this ball game. Another, <laughs> another take. 
if you're an NFL big position player, we're going to have hands in your face a lot. If you're not wearing a visor like hockey players do to protect your eyes, I think you need to be reevaluated. Yeah. Wear a clear visor. It should not obstruct your vision that much. You've got to protect your eyes. Yeah, I like that take, actually. i got to get this point in. Go ahead. Uh, Joe Judge is a special teams coach for the Patriots. I know he was a wide receiver coach. I think last year might have been his only year he was a wide receiver coach. So I don't want to hear the slander about how the Patriots didn't have good wide receivers. That's I don't want to hear yeah. any negative about that. He was not supposed to be a wide receiver coach. No, no I hopped no, on right. that. I hopped on you're that right. early and then I, stuck, I stepped back because it's not true. Yeah, that's a lazy take. Matthew Slayer is a free agent this year. Stop. Joe Judge <laughs> has been the special teams coach for the Patriots for like a decade or something like that. Maybe not a decade. I don't know. Uh, so, was- something... He's been the special no, teams coach he for won, a while. Because he won um, he the won national title with Alabama. Okay, yeah, he's been on the team for a couple years now. Matthew Slater's free agent. Matthew Slater's going to be in the New York Giants next year. That's my take. Really? Matthew Slater's going back to New England. He's going, he's going back with his special teams coach. He's going with him. Well, who, sh- who shows him more love? Does Bill show – I feel like Slater's one of those players that, like, Bill Belichick will see Tom Brady in the locker room and just walk past him not say anything. I feel like if he saw Matthew Slater, he'd shake his hand and ask how his family is. And I'm curious if it's Bill showing him more love or if uh, Joe Judge is going to convince him to come over. I think if Brady leaves, there's little questions with Belichick. I think Slater could end up on the Giants. That would be very That's going to be the most underrated move of NFL free agency in 2020. I think the only thing Belichick cares about is how much do we have to pay him. Yeah. And if the team has to pay Matthew Slater as the highest paid gunner in the league, he will say, get the fuck out of my locker. I mean, what's he being paid right now? He's probably like a minimal a amount. Oh, probably he's... a very minimal amount. But Belichick is so, so, so meticulous with yeah. those numbers. Is If he sees yeah. Slater wants that number one, he's going to say, no, no, no. Bye. I'll find someone else to do your job. He's 34 years old. He won't waste a penny, that guy. No. A penny. No. It's unbelievable. I hate him. Uh, Just, bef- I'm a Jets fan. Before there we move on to uh, baseball, Matt, I just have a question for you. What are your expectations year one for Mr. Joseph Judge? I'm going to allude to what I said before. Rome wasn't built in a day. Give me a win number, roughly. I would say I would say I would say uh, five. I'm going with five. Uh, I'm gonna set a I'm gonna set a bar for my team. I'm gonna go seven. Woo! Okay. I'm right, at, I'm right at five too. Right above the bottom feeders, but right below the. Eh. Yeah, enough to get a bad draft pick again. Exactly. Bingo. Yeah. No, I would say seven. I think wow. With with Joe Judge, I don't think it, it doesn't matter how many games they win or lose this year. As long as Daniel Jones is improving and looks to be a good QB, yeah. and and if they set a good culture around the team, I think that's that's just the biggest thing. They want to set a culture in the locker room which they haven't had for the past yeah. couple of years, and it looks like that's what he wants to do. He wants to set a tough, run heavy, hard nosed football team. So. I think that's going to be the key to this year, see if they can actually get a little more physical. So let's talk about a black eye on baseball, shall we? Courtesy of uh, black the... Black eye on baseball. Yeah, black eye on baseball. You're ridiculous. How am I ridiculous? All right, first of all, let me get... Let's fuck, just get into it. Just get the into athletic. It. Okay, The athletic is, is the, te- it's the, the text TMZ. form of it's TMZ. It's TMZ right. sports, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see some bullshit come up on that Fuck app, TMZ too. Fuck you, TMZ. No, we hate TMZ. This hey. is not a TMZ-friendly podcast. No free advertising. I digress. That to bad advertising, too. Um, publicity is good publicity. Every time I see an article right. come up in The Athletic where you have to sign up for their stupid fucking free trial and get their stupid app Preach. just to read some article by some bum. All right? Preach. It's always some bullshit about either the Red Sox or something slandering some other top-tier franchise. All right, It's bullshit. All right? They're always out there for views. Or, sorry, not even reviews. For clicks. We get the listens. All right? So let's talk about what really happened, all right? Since the introduction 
of replaying baseball in 2014, there is a room between, behind every single dugout of every single MLB team. During the regular season, the ancient MLB decides that it's up to the teams to uphold an honor system to not use this room for anything besides using the, to replay and talk to the officials. Umpires. The officials. It's the same thing. Okay. The Red Sox use this room in a manner that allowed them to read signs and gain a strategical advantage on other teams they were playing against. This is nothing like what the Astros did, where the Astros had a camera live streaming into their dugout. They were banging on cans. The Astros are scumbags, what they did. They completely manipulated the rules of baseball. They went far and beyond to cheat in a strategic manner. That's bullshit. I am not defending that at all. But we are in an age right now for the MLB where technology is bypassing the rules. There's too many advantages to common technology these days that the MLB is not addressed in their rules. I mean, the fact that that's an honor system for something that's so useful for teams to go into their dugout and look at a quick TV screen with instant replay on it, I understand what the Red Sox did was wrong. Let me put that out there. But first of all, it's just not this egregious act that everyone's making it out to be. Second of all, baseball needs to tailor their rules to make this less possible. If you could have a replay official in the dugout like they do during the playoffs where the Red Sox didn't use this tactic, no one will be doing this during the regular season. But since baseball thinks it's necessary to have it during the postseason, why not just do it during the regular season too and just eliminate this from baseball? I get there's going to be a slap on the wrist for the Red Sox here. They did mess up, but this is nothing like what other teams have done. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I don't disagree with anything you said. I really I really don't. Uh, just to, to fill everybody in on what's going on, if you haven't heard, uh, the we'll start with the Astros first. The Houston Astros have been accused of using a camera that's been located in dead center field uh, in their home ballpark to be used for identifying pitches that are coming as an alert to hitters. Uh, Manager A.J. Hinch, former hitting coach and now Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora, former player and now Mets manager Carlos Beltran, along with high-ranking team officials have all been implicated in this investigation, conducted, of course, by Major League Baseball. Now a whole new investigation has been unleashed on Cora's new team, the Boston Red Sox, who are now under investigation for allegations dating back to 2018, when the team allegedly used a clubhouse camera to steal signs from opposing players which then be tipped to Red Sox players. Okay. I don't agree with what you said, Tim, at all. I, I think what the Astros have done is clear and blatant cheating on every single level, and fuck A.J. Hinch for being this smug, cocky, motherfucking bastard. For him to just walk around this little smug of, ooh, I'm better than everybody else. Wow. They think they think we're cheating. No, no, no. No, fuck AJ Hinch. I agree. Yeah. That was pretty uh explicit word yeah. in there of him. No, he he he's a prick. He he's sure, always been yeah. a, he's he's always been a prick and will continue nicely. will continue to be a prick. Okay. Going now and talking about what this is for the Red Sox now. The Red Sox as a whole, it's not it's not going to end the Red Sox. The Red Sox are not going to get a death sentence or anything like that. Not even close. No, no. They'll get a slap on the wrist, like, like Tim said. But I think this is a terrible, terrible look for Al Scora. Because he is associated now with two, one major scandal and now one minor one. But it is... The worst look for Major League Baseball as a whole. 
because that's, it is, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, basically. it has yeah. taken them till 2019 to realize that all of this has been going on. Well, this has been going on for years. And let's just clarify: this is this is one team, two teams. I think were brought in on this investigation. Yeah, I would almost guarantee that at least half, if not. Probably all teams yep. who are in the analytic field and know what's going on in the state of technology in 2019 to 2020, they're doing this too. Yeah. It's so easy. It's very and easy to That's do. why I'm just – I can't even accept that we're getting posterized on this. We're – all these stories have our name all over it. It's for, it's for clicks. All right? It's bullshit. It's we, not one team. It's all of them. And we being to, the Boston Red Sox. We being the Boston Red Sox, yes, sorry. Yes, please. And I'm sitting here proudly wearing my 2018 World Series championship shirt because I'm still a proud supporter of the Boston Red Sox. And I will say also, if Alex Cora is some kind of cheating guru and Alex Cora is trying to mess with the integrity of baseball, I'm all for him leaving the Red Sox. Okay. I don't want to support that in any way. I am attached to the Red Sox. I have no attachment to my coach. I love what he's done for the team. But if he's going to continue going on in a cheating manner and – Messing with the rules, I don't want anything to do with it. I think that's very fair because now, now we're looking at Cora being in real trouble of getting a suspension himself. At that may be the very least of his problems. And I don't even think he's going to get suspended for this Red Sox thing. I think he's going to get suspended for, for, the, for the Houston, Houston thing. thing. Yes, uh, yeah. from what I've heard, he orchestrated it, which is yeah, that's terrible news. Like you don't want to hear that about your coach. It's that sucks. Like I hate to see that, but for anyone who breaks the rules, I think there's. Fair punishment is within the realm of MLB. And baseball is notorious for having very strict rules and not being afraid to slap heavy fines or suspensions on people who do right. infringe on the integrity of the sport. Yeah. Right. And baseball has listed in its rule book that intentional sign stealing is okay. Like if you have a guy on second base. Oh, and that's noto- notorious. You yeah, that's it all the time going Exactly. Yeah. The guy on second base alerts the dugout that, you know, this is going on. Fine. You know, you do what you got to do. You pick up on signs. That's great. Hey, you pick but, up the signs. You take your lead. Batter takes a good look down second. Tap your helmet for a little off-speed pitch. You're sitting back and you're getting ready to crank it. Exactly. But the usage of external equipment such as binoculars, Apple Watches, cameras, etc. is not. And that's what the rule book says. And there are numerous reports say that the Red Sox violated those rules. And the Astros absolutely 100% have. And the Red Sox... They'll get a slap on the wrist for it, but the Astros, I, I hope the Astros get the death penalty. I hope Altuve is stripped of his MVP. I hope Verlander gets a Cy Young's taken away. I hope Aaron Judge gets the MVP since it's going to get stripped from Altuve. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I can go without a year of A.J. Hinch in the dugout. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. A.J. Hinch and fuck TMZ again. And the athletic, I fucking hate the athletic. Hey, you're looking to a you're looking to a paid subscriber of the athletic. Just saying, you subscribe to the athletic. Oh yeah, I love it. What the fuck is this? Will be the last episode of Basement Talk podcast. I love listening. I love it. I can't believe you. Yeah, unbelievable. Sell out. What do you pay for TMZ too? No, I don't pay for TMZ. Are you sure? Oh, you, don't gotta, you don't got to pay for TMZ, that, bro. TMZ They're premium. Yeah, TMZ yeah, no, premium. They just give everybody no, absolutely absolutely What's that guy? Harvey? He calls you personally every time. Harvey Levin? Yeah, every time something happens, he gives you a personal phone call. Yeah, actually, he just, a month. he just vibrated me and I watched it now. Yeah. He's, let, he's letting me know. That yeah. uh, that Pecorine uh, scored a goal from, from his own goal. The, a goalie scored a goal tonight in the NHL. No way. Just yes. Um, I just wanted to say, Ed, I thought that was going to be absolute war. That was a pleasure. It was a gentleman conversation. That was a pleasure. We, 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 we actually agreed on something. Yeah. We did agree. Okay. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it is time to play America's second favorite game, some Jeopardy. 
We'll be right back here on the Basement Talk Podcast. Jeopardy! You practiced that one all last night? Absolutely. Absolutely. You bet I did. You bet I did. <laughs> In the mirror, he was looking at himself, getting it all right. Oh, hell yeah, of course. <laughs> so, gentlemen, welcome to Jeopardy. So here's how we're going to do this. There are three categories, five questions each. I'm going to ask you a question. The draw has been randomly done for the first selection. Mr. Brett will get the choice of first question. When you answer... Please answer it in the form of a question. Oh, jeez. Oh, this is going to be fun. Fuck. Please answer it in the form of a question. If um, you do not, you, automa- you do not win the turn, and you automatically lose. You have about you have five seconds to answer each question, and then we have three rounds. We have regular Jeopardy, we have double Jeopardy, and then we have final Jeopardy. So for people, do you say who is or what is? Who is. Who, who is. is. Okay. Who yeah. is. Yes. It, that's basically what this is. I thought about it in my head like a minute ago. Yeah, yeah I was thinking that. <laughs> yes, but I won't. I won't call you out if you're grammatically incorrect. I just want to use the correct Jeopardy term. Of, okay. of course, of course, of course. Try my best. Um, Trebek gives a little, uh, little grace period. You know, if you answer quickly and you don't say it, he just waits. Of course, he does. Uh, so, I, I, am, I don't know. I'm practicing my know. Trebek. I'm practicing my All Trebek. Right. You gonna be the next one? Is that a- might be? I'm, a, I'm auditioning. <laughs> Feel free to call us off. Don't let anyone get too long. No, of course not. I'll, I'll, believe me, I will... Uh, You've done this before. I have done this before. <laughs> um, when you answer in, please say your name. Do not slam the table. No slamming. No uh, hitting your uh, signaling device. Say your name, and I will call on you. Please wait until the question is finished to buzz in. If you know the answer right off the rip, you must wait until the question is completely finished. I'm ready. Are there... Are there any questions? No, let's go. Let's get it done. Okay. So, on your scorecards, please, the, f- the following categories. There are three. Football coaches, the NBA, and finally, 2010 championship seasons. I will give you the teams that won in each big four league and you must give me wow. the year. Okay. So, Brett, you have won the draw, and you select first. All right. Uh, let's do 2010 championship seasons for 400. For 400. Okay. Kings, Heat, Giants, Giants. Matt. Yeah. I heard Matt first. 2012. That is correct for 400. Uh, and now you have control of the board. Uh, let's do NBA for a thousand. NBA for a thousand. Okay. This man became the winningest coach in NBA history in April 2019. Matt. Greg Popovich. That is correct. I wasn't even listening to fucking questions. Greg Popovich is correct. Uh, 
Okay, I'll give it to you, but you did not answer it in a question. So next time you do, oh, next time you don't do that, that's uh, that's going to be a point deduction. Didn't show as well. Uh, but you you get to choose again. Uh, let's do 2010 championships for a thousand. 2000 championships for a thousand. Okay, Cardinals, Packers, Mavericks, Bruins. Brett Harrison, Brett. Um, 2011. 2011 is correct. So that's a thousand points for Brett, and he has control of the board. Uh, 2010 championship seasons for 800. Blackhawks, Lakers, Saints, Brett Giants. Harrison, Salvatore Mayer. Go ahead. 2010. That is correct. I didn't hear what Brett, is. Please uh, wait till the questions. You're finish. right. Yeah, you're I, didn't right. That. I didn't even hear the last team. <laughs> I'm getting too excited. He's getting too excited. He's, in, he's enjoying Jeopardy. I don't blame him. And I will say who is or what is the next time. I haven't been saying questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's okay. Uh, 2010 change of teams or seasons for 600. Cubs, Broncos, Cavs, Penguins. Tim. Tim. 2014. Uh, Chris. Go ahead. 2015. Uh, Brett Harrison, South Carolina. Go ahead. Uh, what is the year of 2016? That is correct. Damn, that was awful. Uh, that is correct. We will do 2010 championship seasons for 200. Sorry. For 200. And, and by the way, for incorrect answers, I will not do uh, deductions. You just uh. still stuck at zero. Uh, 200. Blues, Nationals, Raptors, Patriots. Matt. 2018. Uh, Brett Harrison, South what is the year of 2019? That is correct. Whoa. The year of the 2010 championship seasons category is officially gone. So we still have NBA. Nobody has touched. Oh, no. There's a thousand one that's gone. And the football coaches won. No one has touched. So, Brett, you have control of the board. Uh, I would like to take 200 on football coaches, please. Okay. This man, currently an NFL head coach, was the head coach at USC, coaching stars such as Mark Sanchez and Reggie Bush. Matt. Who is Pete Carroll? That is correct for 200. And you have control of the board, sir. Uh, Let's do coaches 1,000. Before this head coach was hired, he took over a scandal-ridden NCAA team in 2012. (laughs) Who is Bill (laughs) O'Brien at Penn State? Bill O'Brien. Matt, you have control of the board again. Uh, Coaches 600. This head coach was a defensive line coach for Hofstra University from 1996 to 1999. Oh, and he was a defensive coordinator for the Super Bowl 48 champion Seahawks. Chris. Dan Quinn. That is correct. Dan Quinn. Chris is on the board. That was 800, right? 600. 600. And Chris has control of the board. Uh, Can I get NBA for 800, please? The 2015 and 2016 NBA Finals matched these two teams against each other. Right, I was just talking about Warriors Cavaliers. That is correct. Oh, that is so easy. Right, <laughs> do it. Quick with the signaling device. Bro. He is very quick with the signaling I can't device. Even get a word out. We like a man that is quick with the signaling device. Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings is very quick with the signaling device. <laughs> uh, Brett, you control the board. I will do the NBA for 600 soar. Do 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 do. That is the daily double. Are you serious? Are you serious? Are we not gonna clap on the? Oh my oh, god! That's right. I couldn't hear you that clapping because my ears were blown out. <laughs> okay, Brett, how much would you like to wager? Oh wow! How much do I have? You have thirty-four hundred. I smell all in. <laughs> I don't want to go all in. Uh, I'll Let's do. See. I'll do ten thousand. 10,000? Well, how much do I have again? 3,400. 3,000. Oh, 3,400. Yes. 3, All right, so let me let me put in a solid. I'll do 500. I'll 500? Do 500. Okay. Ooh. Okay. 
In the first NBA draft lottery in 1985, this team took center Patrick Ewing from Georgetown. Who is the New York Knicks? That is correct. Wow. For 500, and Brett is out to a commanding lead and has control of the board. Uh, Are those questions usually harder? Uh, well, it was, it was 600. It was 600. It was a medium. It was a medium. Uh, who, uh, NBA 400. In 1993, Shaquille O'Neal won NBA Rookie of the Year playing for this team. Matt, him. Who are the Orlando Magic? That is correct. So 2,000 for Matt, 600 for Chris, Magic and 3,900 for Brett. Matt, you have control of the board. Um, coaches 800. As a coordinator, this current NFL head coach worked with the likes of Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler. Now, only if he can get along with his star running back. Chris. Uh, Adam Gase. Who is Adam Gase, the worst head coach in NFL football? That is correct. And, Chris, you have control of the board. Three questions remaining. Two uh, questions, excuse me. Go NBA for 200. In 2000, this ex-Chicago Bull became president of the Washington Wizards. Matt. Um, who is Scotty Pippen? Who is Michael Jordan? That is correct. Oh, and the last question on the board for regular Jeopardy round. This current NFL head coach was once an offensive coordinator for America's team. Now maybe you'll catch him having some gumbo with Coach O. Brett Harrison, Thomas Romero. Sean Payton, who is Sean Payton? That is correct. So at the end of the first round, we have Matt with 2,000. Tim a little lazy with the signaling device. Chris with 1,400. And Brett with a commanding 45 Hundred points. This guy's giving but, us the James Holtz hour right now, goddamn. But don't you worry, contestants, because we have double jeopardy on the horizon. Are you serious? <laughs> it is time for some double jeopardy. Would you like to hear the categories? Is one of them Red Sox history? It is not. I'm fucked. It is not. You fucked me. So, are we ready for double jeopardy? Of course, sir. First one. Premier League teams. Nice. Oh. Well. You just knocked me out right there. Hall of Fame. Just a general Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. And athletes by state. I give you the name of the players, and you need to identify what state he plays his home games in. Okay. Guys, we where they're from. I like that. So where they from? That'd be really tough. We have Brett forty five hundred, Matt at two thousand, Chris at fourteen hundred. Tim, you are in last place, and you have control of the board. Let me get athletes by state 400. Steven Stamkos, Calais Campbell, Blake Snell, Goran Dragic. Florida. What is Florida? That is correct. I feel like Matt's a little close to you right now. I don't know if it's going to no, I heard him. affect the No, uh, not at all. Not here. I was about to yell it when I heard Steven Stamkos. <laughs> yeah. Please, you, you've... That's, one as well. that's be uh, let's you do control the board. Uh, states for 2000. Mm. Anthony Mantha, Andre Drummond. Right. I heard Tim. Michigan. That is correct. Hell Tim yeah, let's with the, go. With the big 2000, he is on the board and has control of the board. Let me get athletes for sixteen hundred. Mitch Hanniger, Shaquem Griffin, Chris. What is Washington? That is correct. Seattle's on the tip of your tongue. It was sixteen hundred, <laughs> and Brett is taking a commanding lead and has control of the board. Uh, let's do states for twelve hundred. Nathan McKinnon, Charlie Blackman, Matt Chris, Colorado. 
That what is, is Colorado? That is correct. Big one. Big get. All right, Matt, go ahead. Um, Premier League teams 2000. This club won the double in 1960-1961. <laughs> the only double in their history and the last time this club has won a first division title. Chris, I have no idea, but who is Arsenal? Nope. Damn. Come on, I had to go for the fan favorite here. Matt, go ahead. Who is Liverpool? Tim. Spurs. That is correct. Tottenham. The last time they have won the first division because they are completely irrelevant. Was that another 2000? Yeah. Yes, that was another 2000. Wow, Tim. Storing that. And Tim, you have control of the board. Let me get states for 800. States for 800. Okay. LaMarcus Aldridge. Jose Altuve, Dak Prescott. I heard Tim. Texas. That is correct. Wow, I was actually not going to say Texas. The state's category is cleared. I think my voice is too low. <laughs> Let me get Hall of Fame for 1600 This professional hockey player, nicknamed Mr. Hockey, was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1972. Matt, who is Gordie Howe? That is correct. Who? I was Big. thinking about just going with Gretzky there, but it Me too, and then it said 1972. Yeah. Big get. Big get. Okay, Matt, you've controlled the board. Uh, Hall of Fame 2. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is located Fuck. in this upstate New York college town. Tim. Oneonta. That is correct. Jesus Christ. Yes. Great guess. Great guess. Wonder, and let's not I look now, but it. guess who is in the lead? Really? You have taken control. What Hall of Fame is in the town over? <laughs> Um, let me just be clear. We have nothing left in states. We have Correct. Uh, eight and four in Hall of Fame. Eight, four, 12. and 12. Oh, we have 12 too. Okay. And then four, three. eight, 12, 16 in Premier League. Four, eight, 12. All right. Perfect. With the two daily doubles still on the board. Ah, well, let me go for a Hall of Fame for 1,200. Do, 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 do. Answer. Daily double. Um, can I get a score recap for everyone? Okay. So you have, so Tim is in the lead with 6,800. Brett is in second with 6,100, and Brett has a lot more correct answers than everybody. I just want to point that out. But yeah. Tim Tim has really put up with the uh, 2000s and the 800s. Brett's at 6,400, you said? 61. 61. Uh, Matt is at 52, and Chris is at 1,400. Yikes. Let me wager 1,000. 1,000. Okay. Yeah. NFL Hall of Famer Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls spanning an 11-year career. It all began where he was when he was drafted number one overall out of this we West serious? Coast school. Oh, what is UCLA? That is correct. Wow. For twelve, for a thousand. Excuse me. That was a good guess. And Tim, you control the board. Um, you get Hall of Fame eight hundred. This man is the only player ever elected to the MLB Hall of Fame unanimously. Brett Mayer. Uh, Mariano Rivera? That is correct. Who is Mariano Rivera? I'll give My it to you. My apologies. I'll give it to you. And Brett, don't answer any more correctly. You have a score of 6,900. So you are refrained from well, answering any more answers. Uh, go ahead. You've controlled the board. We'll do Premier League teams for 1,600. Daily Fuck. double. <laughs> You're gonna risk it all. <laughs> how much? How much would you like to bet? All the chips, please. Uh, what's Tim's score? Seventy-eight hundred. You're at sixty-nine hundred. I don't fucking a thousand. Thousand. Okay. 
Eric Cantona played for this Manchester club when he karate kicked a fan at Crystal Palace in the 1994-1995 season. What was the name of the guy? Eric Cantona. Who is Manchester City? I'm sorry. It's the other one. Fuck! Who is Manchester United? Amateur Premier League. Who is Manchester United? He sounded like a City player. But Well, he did something disgraceful. That's probably why you thought that. Yeah, fuck City. Still time. But you maintain, you maintain control of the board. Premier League teams for 1,200, please. This club, with the help of the man with the magic hat, won the Champions League in 2012. Matt Chris. Uh, um, who is... Two. One. Uh, Brett Harrison Thomas. It was Chelsea? That is correct. Uh, oh, you were looking for the team? Tough. Yeah. I thought, for the fucking, oh, I thought you were looking for the play. Premier League teams. The category is Premier League teams. teams. I'm going to have to give that one to Wait, them. in 2012? Yes. yes. 2012. Yeah. Chelsea definitely won. It's your team, bro. Yeah. 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 You said Premier League. Yeah. Champions Premier League won the Premier League teams. They won the Champions League in 2012. I just did not hear that question right. Oh, that is uh That's that is fortunate. Very, very unfortunate. Premier League teams for 800 store. Premier League teams for 800. Okay, here we go. This club, starring players such as Sol Campbell and Patrick Vieira, were crowned the Invincibles, going unbeaten in the Premier League in 2003-2004. Matt Harrison, Harrison. Harrison. Sorry, it's right. I heard Matt. Oh, I don't know if he finished What the are question. Arsenal? That is correct. I don't know if you finished the question. I've been waiting for the questions to end. I'm going to have to... That's very true. No, you have. You have. Uh, Matt, you control the board. Um, Two questions remaining. Can I get a Hall of Fame for four? This man won 11 NBA championship rings as a player and was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame in 1965. I heard Tim. Bill Russell. (laughs) That is correct. Wow. Bill Russell. Uh, And And now the last question. This red-wearing club are from the same city as the Beatles. Tim, Liverpool. That is correct. Wow, we have some top scores heading into final Jeopardy. And the category is sports personalities. All right, so we're all making our bets like on our own, I guess, right? Yes, so you all, you all make your bets. I'll give you about five seconds to make them. What's the category again? Five seconds. Sports personalities. And can we get the score, uh, score recap? Yes. So while you're putting out your wagers, Tim is in the lead with 8,500. Um, Matt is in second place wow. with 6,000. And Brett is in the lead with 81. Is, is in second, sorry, with 8,100. I put your score for 1,200 when you answered to Chelsea. So that's why. So Brett gets an additional 1,200. So he has 8,100. And I'm at 1,400, folks. Don't forget. But we don't have a signaling device, so I haven't been able to answer like three questions. Well, now you have an opportunity to answer. Thank you. I appreciate it. I probably won't only answer, though. So um, how is this working again? So should we give you our, like, our, our wager, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You show it. When you, no, you, you show, show it, when you you show show it with, the, with the answer, yes. When you when you write down your answer, okay. you, you, you put your, you put your pen first, down. Yeah. You cannot scribble out your wager. You scribble out your wager, you, for, you forfeit the turn. Oh, okay. So... Well, I had to since you fucked up my score. Oh, that's fine. No, that's fine. You're good. You're good now. Well, we all know I'm risking it all here, so. Absolutely, James Holtz. I'm not even going to write. I, would, I can't even win, I don't think so. How much do I got again? 81. 81. I would yes. need them all to risk it, it all is and Tim, all lose. Tim in first with 85. Brett in second with 81. Matt in third with 6,000. Chris in last with 1,400. Are we ready? Yeah. Brett is still okay. writing his wager down. Okay. Here is Final Jeopardy. Here we go. On October 5th, 1996, 
a tradition started when this man started wearing the mascot heads of the team he predicted would win the big game of the week. You have 15 seconds to write down your answers. Good luck. Do, 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 Okay, Chris, we have 1,400 points. We are looking for what did you wager and who did you uh, write down? I'll let you read it. Fire Gase, Ed Blows at being Trebek. 1,400. Ooh, that's very unfortunate. You lose your 1,400. <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest. I was looking for a pen. I don't even know what the question is. Uh, that's very unfortunate. <laughs> Can very you repeat it again before yes. I go? On October 5th, 1996, a tradition started when this man started wearing the mascot heads of the team he predicted would win the big game of the week. Uh, we go to Matt now, who is the third place contestant. Matt, who did you write down? He risked it all 6,000, and he got the correct answer. Who is Lee Corso? On college game day. Lee Corso. That is fuck. correct. Wow. Well. <laughs> so, uh, Brett, Brett, you are up next. Who did you write down? You had 8,100. I bet the farm. I bet everything I had. And I forgot Lee Corso's name, so I wrote, fuck TMZ. <laughs> fuck TMZ. Wow. Oh, and boy. I'm going to finish in a tie for a That boy. is you just shocking. I only risked 2,000 on this one. Okay. And I thought of the other old crazy guy who does college game that I did, Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz. Ooh, that is Lee an incorrect answer. Wow, I, I really I really thought everyone was going to get that. I wow. thought his name was I, Stu. I knew who it was. I Very shocked. And the winner and our Jeopardy champion, our producer, Matt Birdsall. Matt, come on over here. Congratulations. How does the moment feel for you? Feels good. Um, kind of was a long shot in the dark there. I thought someone of the two who were in, pr- in front of me would have gotten Lee Corso. Uh, but hey, lucky to pull out with the W. Uh, give all glory to God, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Absolutely, and I want to thank uh, Chris for coming on. Chris, you were a good sport in Jeopardy, even though you uh, you didn't do so well there. But you're a good sport. Thank you for contributing to the discussion as always. Hey, thank, thank you for coming, you. guys. Oh, sorry, Chris. Thank you guys for having me, and I will continue listening. You guys power me through my my uh, times at work. So Jeff, that's that's lovely. We I'm love a fan. we we love being the reason you power through your work at Mushels. 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 I'll remember that. There's Mushels. nothing I'd want to be more than a workplace podcast. It really feels great to have that energy, Chris. Thank you for coming on, and thank you everyone for listening. It's been a great time. So for my co-host Tim Brady, Brett Mayer, producer Matt Birdsall, our guest Chris Corbett, I am Ed Birdsall saying good night. From the basement. See you later. Virgil got a paddock on my wrist doing front flips. Giving you my number, but don't hit me on no gun. Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. Virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts. Caught me slipping once, okay, so what? Someone hit your block up, I tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, it too plush. It's cool, man.
Got red bottoms on. His life is good. You know what I mean? Like,